Recently, we learned about the final book put out by Stephen Hawking's, as he declares in that book that he did not believe in God. However, there are many people who leave atheism to embrace faith in God and in Christ. We'll learn, out, learn about more in our conversation today with Brandon Lowe on this edition of the Bellator Christie Podcast. You are listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast, brought to you by bellatorchristie.com. Now join your host, Brian Chilton, as we enter the arena of ideas. Taking up the sword of Christian theology and the shield of classic apologetics while taking Christian truth to the arena of ideas. This is the Bellator Christie Podcast, and this is your host, yours truly, Brian Chilton. Uh, we want to remind you that the Bellator Christie Podcast is a production of bellatorchristie.com, and we do want to encourage you to uh, go to the website, and while you're there, uh, be sure to subscribe, and that way you'll get all the articles and the podcasts in your inbox uh, as soon as they become available. Uh, we also encourage you to uh, subscribe to the podcast on several different uh, apps. We're on iTunes, TuneIn, uh, Stitcher, as well as Google Play. So uh, uh, subscribe, and you can carry uh, the podcast with you on the go. And be sure to tell other people about the podcast and the work we're trying to do here at Bellator Christie. Uh, we have a wonderful podcast today. We are joined uh, by a good friend, Brandon Lowe, uh, who is a wonderful man of God and uh, a member here at Westfield Baptist Church in Westfield, North Carolina. And so we want to start off by uh, thanking him for being here with us today. Brandon, thank you so much for being with us on the podcast. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, you have a very interesting testimony and so, if you will, start off by telling us about uh, your first encounter with Christ as you first became a Christian. Uh, what, what were some of the events that happened as you uh, first accepted Christ? Well, I was raised in South Carolina. Um, and in the South, as you're probably well aware, for a lot of people, what you do is you go to church. And when you reach a certain age, you get baptized. It's just what you do. It's, it's what's expected of you. Um, and I felt in a lot of ways that, that I, you know, I went through the motions and I did what was expected of me, but didn't really understand what I was doing, what I was getting into, so to speak. Um, fast forward a few years, things became a little bit more clear. Um, I would never say that I had a burning bush moment, as it were. Um, but as I grew, uh, I was influenced heavily by my father and my grandfathers. Um, they were both strong men of God. They led me in... in to follow in their footsteps, so to speak, lead by example, as they say. Um, and it went really well. Um, grew in my faith. Um, but then I just graduated from high school. And like most late teen, early 20-somethings, you know, I got full of myself. Um, got out into the world. I went from a small town in South Carolina of probably 2,000 people. I graduated high school, and two years later, two weeks later, I was living in the middle of Atlanta by myself. Wow. Um, yeah, and 
Atlanta's a cool city. It's an old city. It's got a lot of history and a lot of good things go on, but it's it's a tough place, man. It's a tough town if you don't know what you're doing, if you're, I guess, naive the way I was. Um, and to make a long story short, over time, you know, you fall into crowds and you go with the flow and questions that I may have had and never addressed when I was in the, I don't know, appropriate circles, how about that, began to get uh, answered by people who... I don't know. I don't want to say that they were ill-intentioned, but maybe misguided, misdirected. How about that? Right. So, um, as I say, fast forward a little bit. and After two or three years of this, I sort of lost my faith altogether and got to the idea that, well, gosh, church is just a scam. What are we doing here? Why are we paying all this money and I have nothing to show for it? My parents have nothing to show for it. Um, And sort of got into that modern worldly worldview of, of things like that. Um, after, I don't know, a decade or so, um, I was still very interested in the, I guess you would call it the mysticism of religion. Um, I was very interested in Malachi Martin and and people like that who were heavily involved with the, the darker side of Christianity that you don't want to, don't want to talk about or, or maybe impolite to talk about. And through that, I sort of came back around in an unconventional way. I would say that through evil led me to Christ again, because if you believe in the yin and yang of the universe, if you will, if this evil exists, and it absolutely exists in the world and the universe, then the opposite of that must exist also. There must be a light, there must be the good force to counter the bad force. Um, And then over time, I came back home, moved back home, uh, got reinvolved with the church, uh, met a lot of people that I hadn't seen in a very long time. Um, again, never had that burning bush moment, but it was more of a slow burn, more of an ember. Um, I'm sure you've heard the analogy at some point. If you take an ember out of the fire and pull it away, it dies out, and you put it back, and it glows again. Sort of, sort of what we had. Absolutely. And now we—that's where we are today. So you had um, you had some events that uh, led you to atheism, and I'm kind of curious to learn more about Malachi Martin. That, that's a new one on me. I haven't heard of him, uh, but uh, you eventually went uh, and 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 embraced atheism. And um, as people know my testimony, I, I had similar exp- I had experiences that led me towards agnosticism myself. But what were some of the events that led you to atheism? Uh, maybe some of the issues and questions that bothered you most? Um, well, I, I guess doing research and independent research on my own, you know, I, I don't know if I would consider myself a, or have considered myself a Richard Dawkins disciple, but maybe some people would have. Um, you know, I, I, you know, that's a tough question to answer. You know, I have a lot of answers in my head, but getting them from my head and then out of my mouth is... Oh, I understand. <laughs> you know, it's just one of those things. It's a very personal thing. It's difficult to put into words. Um, there were questions that were that I had that I thought I found the answers to, and the answers were not of the Lord. They were not of God. They were not holy answers, but they were answers to me nonetheless, you know. Um, were they kind of things like evolution or... Uh... Well, there were things like evolution. Um, the um, I don't know if you're familiar with the concept that Jesus is an allegory for the sun. Um, oh, yeah. Things like that. Some, yeah. yeah. 
um, stuff like that. Um, a lot of, of there's a movie that they, that came out where, uh, well, I think they, they they would go more towards the mythicist side, but uh, uh, but I think they they were there was I can't think of the name of the movie right offhand, and I'm sure after the podcast was it a documentary? It was yeah, docu- Zeitgeist. Zeitgeist. Yeah. That's the one. That's the one. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of things in Zeitgeist that I really enjoyed. Um, of course, it wasn't the first part of that film was about religion, and it it of course being in a, from a religious family, it, it had some some weight to me. Um, the rest of it, you know, it's very political. I won't get into it. That's not what we're here to talk about today. Um, but we'll, we'll come back to that. Yeah, that was, um, yeah, it, it, it stirred a pot. I'll just say that it stirred right. a pot within me. Um, it sounded like it had a lot of good answers and it sounds good. And when you put something behind nice production value and nice music, it pulls on emotions and things like that. So, um, yeah, it, it certainly had something to do with it. Um, like I said, all the other loud and proud atheists that write their books, and they're very well-produced books, just like the movies. Oh, and, yeah. Um, you know, it reaches a point where it's, it's not cool to be a Christian anymore. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, did you go through an inner turmoil uh, when you became an atheist? And the reason I ask this is because I know whenever I had my crisis of faith, um, dabbling in, I guess you'd say agnosticism, uh, there was a great deal of um, problems, emotions, deep emotions that I dealt with when going through that experience. Did you say, did you find the same true is true whenever you had these experiences that took place, or when you went in that direction? I would say that mine initially wasn't. I remember the first night when I came back. And I'd come, I worked in the restaurant business for a long time and eventually found a way out of it. But part of coming out of it, I don't know if you've ever worked in the restaurant business, anybody that has says you work, you don't get, you don't get time off. It's it's the no life life. And part of it is usually working brunch on Sunday. So I hadn't gone to church or even been able to go to church if I wanted to in like a decade. Well, anyway, I got out of the business and part of my new job allowed me time to go to church and I didn't really have any interest in it. And I remember the day before... I had to go Saturday night, and I got on Reddit and went to the Atheism subreddit and typed a little post that said, well, tomorrow's the day. I've got to go to church. I'm being forced to go. Y'all wish me luck, guys. And um, there were people on that. It's like it's anything on the Internet. It's people yelling louder at one another. That's all it is. Yeah. So it didn't really give me anything. Of course, you know, I was looking in the wrong place, but at the time I didn't, you know, realize that. But the next day... Well, I guess I'll just say I never went back to that subreddit after that following Sunday, the next Sunday, um, and, and unsubscribed from it because I could see, I guess at the time, to answer your question, I didn't have turmoil in the midst of it. It's more of a look back. You know, right. when you look in the rear view, you say, oh, well, there was something going on right. at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Because now you eventually, you know, as... Uh, we're here and, and, and talking about this, you eventually came back to a faith in Christ. Um, could you explain the events that led led you back to faith or to embrace Christ and, and the Christian worldview? Um, well, coming back to Christ and to the church, I'm a very private person. And it was a combination of internal... Um, introspective thought and getting back in touch with a lot of people that I'd known when I was younger or maybe friends of friends, family friends that we'd known forever. So a combination of 
getting back in touch with them and their influence and the influence that went along with it and the influence that went along with being in the church and having a wholesome again to go back to the restaurant business restaurants or or kitchens anyway are pirate ships they're full of thieves and drug addicts and alcoholics and they're they're just yeah they're they're just rough places to be and to go from one to the other and to see the influence that the positivity has on a person can go a long way absolutely um, there's, like I said, there wasn't the, the, the aha moment as more of it was a slow burn. Kind of a slow process. Yeah. Then. It was kind of, and you, when you would say the, the influence of, of positive input made a great deal in, in at least giving Christianity a second look. Correct. And what I was expecting was the, um, uh, uh, I was expecting a God hates facts church. Right. Truth be told, yeah. um, and I didn't get that, and I was braced up and ready to fight it, and I didn't get it, and I was surprised, and I was caught off guard. Also, I guess that was even a bigger shock than being surprised. I was caught off guard because I knew what I was getting <laughs> into, because I knew how those Christians were, especially those Southern Baptists. How dare you want to convert me? <laughs> and uh, again, the broken record, the influence, and the surprise. It it it. It's like if you're chipping ice, you got that one chip, and now we've made that breakthrough, and we're going to go through. Oh yeah. Were there any? Just talking about facts and um, in, in reasons. Were there any particular arguments, evidences, proofs, uh, as, as far as historically, scientifically, that helped you to embrace the Christian worldview in particular? Or was I mean, I know you said the Christian influences, but were there any things that uh, factual data or anything of that sort that really? Uh, made you take now for me and just to give you for instance for me i guess that moment and it, and it too was probably a slow process looking back on it but one of the things i think that stands out in my mind uh which i it's back here in the m section over there uh josh mcdowell's uh, evidence demands a verdict uh lee strobel's case for christ you know, and some of those some of those apologetic books were there any type of uh Maybe books or or uh, arguments, facts of some sort that that may have given you uh, uh, credence to say, "I want to give this a second look" or anything of the sort. Yeah, there were. Um, I've always been a history buff. Mm. Um, I always thought if I could hold it in my hand and touch it, then it must be real. And while there are a lot of um, there are a lot of people that believe a lot of things and have a lot of shrines and have a lot of holy places that may not stand up. I'm not going to point fingers at anybody in particular because I don't want to stand on anybody's belief system. However, that being said, there are an awful lot of good ones out there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, verifiable facts. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure you've probably seen you know the people that say this is the footprint of Christ and it looks like a stamp. Doesn't look like anything like a foot. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I have, I have a tendency to not believe things like that. But at the same time, uh, you know, we also have documented evidence of s- not structures that still stand, but we know where these structures were. Right. It was right here. You can put your hand on it. And here's the proof to, to go along with it. Um, so that, that, for me, that goes a long way. I don't know if that's what you're asking or yeah, not, but yeah, that's, absolutely. that's sort of... Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and really, in uh, retrospect, you know, I, I mentioned a lot of times classical apologetics, but been researching uh, this last class I've been taking on apologetic methodologies and it and it seems like 
evidentialism is 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 a, is a really important track to go looking at the historical data because there is a lot of power like you say when you can see the archaeological evidence you can see manuscripts you can see data and apparently we've got a guy speeding down the road. <laughs> picked up but anyhow once you can see this it, it really makes a big difference i think in in people and, and being able to see that you know there's there's really some uh, some powerful stuff. Now, I do have to go back and ask a question. You mentioned Malachi Martin. I'm not very familiar with him. Who, who Malachi he? Martin, he was a um, Catholic priest who, in a lot of ways, he was kind of a mover and shaker in, in the Catholic underground, if you will, in his time. Uh, he wrote some, some nonfiction books and some fiction books as well, but he was sort of most infamously known, I guess you would say, as kind of the Catholic Church's unofficial exorcist. Uh, uh-huh. He was heavily involved with the study of demonology and things like that. Um, wild fella. Uh, I'd, I'd just suggest looking into some of his stuff for sure. He, he's definitely a wild guy and very smart. He's passed away now. He's been dead for quite some time. But he's um, there are definitely scholars out there and biographers that can give you the full rundown. Yeah. You know, he, he was sort of, you remember the the, uh, the Exorcist the movie? At yeah. the end, the older priest that came in, he was sort of a basis for him. Really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Were there any other uh, type of authors or, or, or books that, that have meant a lot to you and as you've come back to faith? Not, maybe not necessarily uh, that led you to faith, but any type of Christian authors that you enjoy now that really kind of strengthen your faith in that regard? Um, I guess to sound cliche, I really like C.S. Lewis. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and I like um, The Case for Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, these are they're cliche, but they're cliche for a reason. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I think C.S. Lewis was a fantastic author in the non-religious sect when he would write you know fiction works they were fantastic and to come along on top of it and write the other kind of works that he did based on his faith and things like that um it just gives us gives his his other works that much more credence plus everything else right yeah so what advice would you give to someone if maybe someone listening to this podcast and they may be struggling with their faith what's some advice that you could give them to maybe help them uh, maybe give sec- Christianity a second chance, uh, look at it once again, uh, or, or maybe even for the first time give it a, give it a, a hearing. Uh, what would you say to someone who may be going through something like that right now? Um, I think, and I can only speak from my experience, but I would say that it's easy to get caught up in your own nonsense mm. and to be so full of yourself. Oh, yeah. um, sometimes that's not the best. Uh, I know they're not. That's not very deep, but for me personally, that's just what it took to sort of put my my nonsense to the side and say maybe I should listen to someone that's smarter than me. Um, you know, there's that saying: you don't get to be an old man by being a fool. You know, <laughs> there's right. there's not there's no such thing as an old fool. So, um, we have, were speaking in a Bible study uh, earlier, and they say what are one of the things that you can see yourself doing or see yourself saying to a younger you that would help you today and the first thing that i thought up was shut up <laughs> just be quiet stop talking for a minute and listen to somebody else and that's that's interesting you I, I, and that's a quotable point that don't get caught up in your own nonsense i'm going to use that sometime <laughs> that's a good quote and you know and that's one thing that um people say that the beauty of books and the beauty of libraries 
because there's no way we can read all the books in the world. Because if remember a story that was told of a person who said that their goal was to try to read all the books in a particular library, a small library, and it was an impossible task because as soon as they got close, all these other new books mm-hmm. were coming out. But someone once said about the beautiful thing about books is is to understand that there's a wealth of knowledge beyond beyond us, and and I think that's a very important point that that both the Christian apologist and for those who who may be struggling with their faith uh, needs to realize is that uh, you know there is a large body of of information out there, and so we need to make sure that uh, we, we're listening. Mm-hmm. So now, what advice would you give those who are in Christian leadership and Christian ministry, uh, maybe to, maybe seeking to help those who are struggling with their faith. What's some advice that you could give them to help the, the seeker or help those uh, who, who are struggling? Brian, I tell you, I've been asked this before. Um, I was asked one time by a, pre- a preacher, what could we have done while you were in college, say, that would have made you maybe come back or visit or something like that. And I was honest with him. I said, you could have mailed me $100 in the mail every week. I still wouldn't have come back. Right. So sometimes, I guess it's not an answer you want to hear, but sometimes you just have to let the Lord take over. Yeah. Really. I mean, you can only punch a wall so many times before your hand bleeds, you know? Yeah. Um, And maybe there are people out there besides me who have had better success with it and could be better in line to, to help those people. Like I said earlier, I, I can only speak for myself, and that's that's what I got. <laughs> oh yeah, well, and I, and Jay Warner Wallace has even made the made the comment to say that uh, sometimes uh, well, he he classifies there being four categories of people, and I think this is a very important point that needs to be made. Um, in, in a court of law, you have individuals. Whenever they're looking for jurors, you have individuals who are ones, twos, threes, and fours. Uh, ones are those who are adamantly in favor of a verdict. Uh, then twos are those who are in favor of it, willing to listen to the evidence. Three, those who are uh, opposed but willing to listen to the evidence. And four are those who are adamantly against the evidence no matter what. So he said the goal is to move the fours to threes or the threes to twos and the twos to ones You know, in, in the Christian walk. And a lot of times, I think you're right, I think sometimes... When those who are would be classified fours, those who aren't willing to listen to the evidence, those who aren't willing to listen, um, you have to just, like I said, pray for the person. And I think that would be a wonderful thing we could add there is to never stop praying for the person because the Lord can intervene and um, can do some wonderful things in that person's life to, to potentially open up, soften up their heart, to open up their mind to the point that uh, they are willing to listen. Would you agree? Oh yeah, there, there's. We're not cookie cutter people, so there's right. not cookie cutter answers, especially to something so individual to a person. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, what works for one person may not work for the other. So to have a pigeonholed approach to evangelism, I think it's flawed. Oh, absolutely, it's fundamentally flawed. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that even goes back to, you know, talking about apologetic methodologies. And, and that's one thing that I have found, too, that even though I am an evidentialist, and I, I do think that there are individuals that that works with, uh, there may be others out there that needs a different approach. And it may be just some individuals, like you say, just, just needs time, you know, uh, time to have their 
uh, I don't know if you want to say heart softened or, 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 or minds directed or events in life that would lead them towards a certain uh, end goal. And, and um, I think you're right. I think you're right about that. And to expect, even within the realm of Christianity, to expect someone to come out the same every time, I think, is if, if you're you're fishing for catfish with with crappy bait you know yeah. <laughs> um, I saw a cartoon on Facebook that was a little still that had a, a Bible in the center kind of on its side with the spine sticking up so it made a little teepee and in the one side you had what you might consider the the rough and tumble people walking into it and then out the other side were men in business suits and briefcases you know signify signifying that if you walk in and go to the king james you're going to come out this way and being a christian you know that threw me off big time oh yeah you know i'm not the kind you know i'm i'm pretty level-headed i'm not going to get in a facebook argument with somebody but that one made me want to you know it was so flawed in an attempt to talk to people and in an attempt to talk to people and to insist and demand that they come out exactly the way you are exactly you know you know, you look at the 12 disciples, and they were very 12, very different people. Absolutely. So. And that is a tremendous point because I heard a person say one time before, and I have this problem. I hear somebody or I read something. I can't remember where I hear it, heard it or, or read it. But one person said that uh, uh, to to desire people to become more like Christ is, is the Christian perspective. But to desire people to become more like us is a legalist perspective, mm, and you're like and you're right. We can't expect everyone to to be the same mold because we are different people, and I think that is a huge point that needs to be made. and And I think that we need to embrace the the diversity that we have. I mean, obviously, we want to emphasize the the core teachings of Christ oh, and the, yeah. mere Christianity, the fundamentals. You know, there are certain things that make us Christians, and, and neither one of us is, are saying that. But embrace the diversity that we have as individuals and understand that there are differences. And that's okay. I mean, we don't have to agree with one another on every minute detail. How boring would that be, you know? Oh, absolutely. It'd be kind of like a a stained glass window with only one color. Exactly, yeah. Well, any uh, concluding thoughts that you may have or want to share with our individuals to... uh, uh, maybe help in ministry for those who are struggling or, or anything that you might like to share in, in conclusion? Well, um, sort of my go-to advice whenever somebody asks me for anything, um, read. I don't care what it is. Read something. Expand your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a whole world of information out there, and there's something that you don't know. Read. Please read. Please read more. Um, and if you're struggling with faith, um, all I can say is try it's easy to say get through it man up get through it but it's 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 not that easy it really is not that easy um find a core group of friends find a church find somebody you can talk to that you know um they're probably not going to have the answers you're looking for let's be honest because nobody has the answers most people don't have the answers but maybe they can help Mm -hmm. maybe they can lend a hand maybe they can give you some support and point you in the direction to help you find the answers for yourself um, that's all I got. Well, I think it's a very important point to be made, and I think that uh, one of the big takeaways that we need to understand as apologists and as as Christians is the important value of of, of friendships, the important value of network. And if we come at, a, at an individual who's struggling in their faith, and they come at them with 
this, uh, if you come at them with this Westboro Baptist tactic where you try to beat someone in the head with a Bible and, and you come at them very combative, that's not going to bring the results that you want. And in no, fact, no, let me cut you off there. Go right ahead. It will bring the results that you want. Oh, you think because so? Because you're looking for a fight. Oh. You're, not, you're not looking to spread the word of the Lord. You're looking for a fight. That's right. If if you're looking for a fight, that's, and, I, and I don't that's, mean to pigeonhole them. They're obviously the most well known. Yeah, but they're not the only ones doing it. Exactly. Exactly. But you are. I mean, it, it brings forth a fight. And then as I even look at some of the responses on. Um, Social media today, with with the announcement of uh, the Stephen Hawking's latest book, and we'll have more uh, pertaining to that on future podcasts. Uh, maybe you have an article coming out here pretty soon on that. But one of the things that just just greatly disturbed me is to see Christians on there lamb blasting those who are of skeptical mindset. Yeah, we can disagree with a person, but you don't have to act in Christ-like, and that's only throwing fodder into the fire uh, of, of that person's skepticism. So that's not the way to combat it, and that's not the way to go about reaching someone. So uh, that's one of the things I think that we, we especially need to know. We need to understand the importance of networking. We need to understand the importance of loving people, because if you don't love the person, uh, they're not going to listen to what you have to say. And so I think that's a very important thing. So, Brandon, thank you so much for being with us on the podcast today. God bless you. And you've been listening to the Bellator Christie Podcast. This is Brian Chilton saying God bless. And we'll see you the next time that we step into the arena of ideas. Views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily represent those of BellatorChristi.com or its affiliates. The Bellator Christi Podcast is a production of BellatorChristi.com and is protected under Creative Commons copyright. All rights reserved. The theme song is Crucified, written by John and Kayla Lemonese, performed by Crosby Lane, and produced by Mansion Entertainment. Be sure to visit bellatorchristi.com and subscribe so that you can receive all the articles and podcasts in your inbox for free. Catch us on iTunes, TuneIn, and Stitcher. For Brian Chilton, this is Burl Childers saying God bless, and we'll see you the next time as we enter into the arena of ideas. Crucified.